about a week away from Yem Adin, Rosh Hashanah, we sort of were cheated out of a full elul where we would have been exposed to a lot more musr and a lot more divrei machshaba, divrei nusayrus. But then it says that even after all the shmuzen and all of the musr, a lot of times we have a hard time really being inspired and really taking the musr to heart And regardless of all of the talk and all of the words, it fails many times to hit home and to really make us change. And the reason for this is because a human being is complex and because a human being does not like to take personal responsibility for things. We have an innate reaction that when we do something wrong, when we sin, when we do things that are unbecoming and things that would naturally make us feel guilty, there's a built-in psychological reaction to blame something else. It's not my fault. I am not to blame. I did it. But it's because I have this problem, because I was brought up a certain way, because somebody wasn't nice to me, because of my family structure, because of my background, and we sort of justify everything that we do by these excuses. We don't want to look in a mirror and say, I'm an Avarian, I'm a Chayte, so rather we say, I'm a Tzaddik. I'm a good person. And the fact that I do chatoy and the fact that I slip up is because I'm justified. I need it. I need to do these things or I'm allowed to do these things and the people that don't do these things, they're different than I am. They have a better background. They have a better family. They have better finances. They're more popular. I have my own reasons for doing the things that I do and I have excuses for it and so because of that that is probably the primary reason why we fail to change while we can't say to ourselves let's try it a different way let's try to do chuba let's try to turn over a new leaf we could do it we don't do that because we always look at ourselves as being excused for doing things wrong so there's no need for me to do chuba I'm different This is not something that was developed in the 21st century. This is something that took place from the beginning of time, from the beginning of civilization. We find this common gene in man. (coughs) Adma Rishain was the first chet in history. It took him but a few hours to be chaytay. The Rabbani Shalom put him in Gan Eden, La'avdol, L'shamra, all you have to do is keep a few mitzvahs. There weren't many mitzvahs to do. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded him, he wanted him to basically learn Torah and Gan Eden, 
and keep away from the Etzadas. Don't eat from that Etzadas. And of course, we know the story, Chava basically convinced them to eat from the Etzadas, and they ate together, and Akadosh Baruch was not happy. And so, he calls Adam, and he says, Ayeka, and he says, what happened to you? How could you have eaten from the Etzadas that I told you not to? And instead of Adam Arisha and saying, my bad, I did wrong, I want to do tshuva, I want to be misvade. Instead, Adam Rishon, who was, by the way, Adam Rishon was, was the greatest person. Adam Rishon was the Gadol. He was the Yitzir Kapo of Shachar It's very hard to speak about Adam Rishon like you would speak about a regular human being. He was so close to perfection that we cannot understand the godless Adam. If you look in the storm of the Altaf and Sabotka, Adam was the pinnacle of perfection. And we're just trying, since the Chet, to somehow, some way, come back to that surah of Adam Arishain. Adam Arishain, this great human being, says, Ha'isha asher nasata imadi, he nas don't blame me. I might have been chayte, but it wasn't my fault. This woman that you gave me, and Chazal say that Mikan, from here we see that Adam Rishon was a kafu taif. He gave, HaKadosh gave Adam a wife, a beautiful wife, so that he can have companionship that he lacked. And instead of thanking the Rabbani Shalom, he uses her as a scapegoat. To blame it all on her, it's not my fault, it's her fault. She was the one that told me to do it. This is human nature. This is the most essential human fundamental response. If you blame somebody, I'm not to blame. It's the next guy. I pass the buck and I say, don't look at me, but rather the fault lies with somebody else. I think there was a president, maybe Truman, who had a, a little sign in his desk that says the, the buck stops here which means you try to pass the buck but somebody has to take responsibility and that's what maturity is all about that's something that's so difficult to do but the buck stops here this is where it stops I don't want to make excuses for myself I want to be able to confess that's what Vidu is all about to Misvada and to say Aval, anachnu, aveseinu, chatanu, we sin, period, I'm a chayte. Not too much longer in human history, we find a similar profile. Kayin and Hevel. We know the two sons of Adam Arishan, we have Kayin and we have Hevel, and Kayin and Hevel both bring an offering to the Rabbi Shalom. Kayan brought a beautiful offering. He brought the, um, I'm sorry, Hevel brought a beautiful offering. He brought the most choice of behemoth, very chashava carbon that he brought. And Kayan did not, Kayan, he brought some fruit from the ground, but nothing very chashav. And of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepts 
the offering, the chashav offering of Hevel, and Cain's he rejects. And Cain gets very upset, he gets very disappointed, and he says to Rabbanishoyim, he gets, he, Vayiplu Panov, he was upset, he gets depressed, Vayiplu Panov, he, his face falls, and Hashem says to Cain, what are you so upset about? Why are you so depressed? Halayim Tetev says, if you improve yourself, you'll be forgiven. And if you don't, sin rests at the door. He's giving the first Muslim Shmuz, or maybe the second in history, the Rebbein Shalom is doing to Kain. And if you change, if you do tshuva, fine, don't be depressed. And if you don't, there's going to be taka, what to be depressed about. But you have a choice to make. And this got very, this got Kain very, very upset. And and Kayan says to Hevel his brother, and then there's an Asnachta, there's a, we don't know what he says. And then Kayan and Hevel were out in the field together, and Kayan jumps at Hevel, he rose up against Hevel. And he slays Hevel, the first murder in history between two brothers. Tractor Chaim Shmulevitz, what exactly did Kayan say to Hevel? And then they were in the field. What was said? What was spoken? So Chaim Shmulevitz says a beautiful Yusayi. Says, Kayan says, El Hevel Achiv. That whole Musr Shmuz that I just heard from the Rabbi Shalom, it was misplaced Musr. The Rabbi Shalom was giving me the Shmuz, but really it wasn't to me, it was meant for Hevel. Hevel's the guy that should deserve the Shmuz. I don't have to hear any Shmuzin. I'm fine. I have excuses for why I did what I did. I brought my carbon. He should have accepted it. He should have known me. He should have understood me better. Hevel, he's the bad guy. He deserves the Musr. Vayayimer, Kayin. Kayin says, El Hevelachim, that that the Rabbani Shalom just got finished telling me, that's not intended for me. Musr is not for me. I don't like getting Musr Shmuzin. Because I'm fine. Don't start preaching to me. That's El Hevelachim. And then the scene switches to the field, and Kayin gets up and he kills Hevel. Because that's what humans are all about. Humans are people that want to pass the buck. We want to say that everybody else needs the Muslim. That guy's bad. He's bad. He's got a problem. He's got an issue. And I'm fine. If you fast forward a little bit more in history, we find that there was a major problem between Yosef and his brothers, and of course his brothers sell Yosef to, to, uh, to slavery eventually. And basically, after the whole Misa, at the end of the whole Misa, when the brothers realized that they made a very, very big mistake with Yosef, so the Pasuk says, Vayetzei libam vayechredu yishalachav lemar, ma zais osalikim lonu, after they admitted that they were mistaken, the Marsha 
explains after they're already caught and at the end of the whole Misa, once they were found that Yosef Taka became the Moshe of Chometzayim and clearly the Chalaymas of Yosef were realized and they were wrong. But the brothers said, instead of saying we're wrong, they said, They blamed God. The Rabbi did something terrible to us. He messed us up. Even when it's staring you in the face that you're doing something wrong, we right away shift the blame elsewhere. Very often we get angry with the Rabbi How could you do this to me? How are you able to do this? Don't you understand? Don't you know what I need? Don't you know that I'm good? This is something that we blame. We blame everybody. Except for finally taking responsibility for ourselves. The Pasuk, the Gemara in Tainus on that Testament Aleph says that this is really found elsewhere. It's a Pasuk in Mishlei. Iveras Adam Tisalev Daukai Man messes himself up. We do so much bad to ourselves. Our foolishness drives us to doing things that are really bad. We do averus. We do things that we should not be doing. <coughs> For we blame God. We get angry at Hashem, even though we don't realize that Hashem is doing this for ourselves to make us improve. When we suffer, it's not because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to suffer that we should have kindness against Him. There's a message here. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us a Musr Shemuz and it means He loves us. And if we understand that it's from love, then we wouldn't blame Hashem but we look in the mirror and we'd say that we're at fault and that we want to do tshuva and that we want to come back to you, Rabbi Nishalom, because we need to. But as long as we continue to be stubborn and to insist that we are not to blame, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to do tshuva. Because tshuva requires the recognition of vidui. The Ramam says that vidui is the mitzvah sasei of tshuva. Why? What's the big deal? Why can't you? <laughs> you could read, everyone reads the alphabets. That's, it's ashamnu bagadnu, that's so difficult. It's not difficult if it's merely a song. I once had a friend who's a, he's a Sardi, and he used to daven with, a, with an Ashkenazic minion, and, you know, on Yom Kippur, we say Ashamnus, and by Ashkenaz, apparently Sardi don't do this, but Ashkenazim, we have a whole niggin for, but he says, what's funny, he's singing Ashamnus, Says I spared them. We you know we're crying when we say Hashamnus, and you're singing the Hashamnus like it's a song. And in fact, there are the, the it's discussed in in in, in the Svarim why we where this minute comes from. I think the Chassam Sefer says that since it's a mitzvah, say so it's a mitzvah. You have to do a besimcha. So that's why we sing it, even though it's a very, it should be we should cry, but it's mixed with the joy of the simcha of doing a mitzvah. But the MS is that we're singing it because we have no idea what we're saying. We think it's a nigan taka. If we'd realize what we're saying, if we'd have a good master, and we'd study and we'd know that what we're really saying is, and if you get the really good master and has the extended, you know, the pull-out sections, 
that you get to see all the hour phases and all the things that we really are talking about over here. You know, and every single Avera possible came out, and it hits home when we realize, whoa, you know, we did a lot of bad stuff this year. Like if we'd have a checklist and we'd be mucked on Yom Kippur to start checking it off, you'd be surprised how many things are Nagaya to us. But we believe it's a song. We sing it like it's nothing. But if we would understand what Vidui is, that Vidui is really not just a song, that's not what the Rebbe Shalom wants. The Chavetz Chaim used to say that instead of us beating our hearts, when we say the Ashamnus and the Afets, he says, Halavai, the heart should be beating us. Because what we're doing is we're confessing. Confessing means that we're saying that there's a problem here. And that I made very, very, very bad mistakes. And that I'm here to correct it. But I admit that I'm wrong. And that's the hardest thing for a human being to do. You'll see when you get married, for those of you that are not married, you'll see that the hardest thing to do is to say I'm sorry. It's the hardest words in the language. To say that I'm sorry that I, and really mean it. To say that I made a mistake. Because we always make excuses. I, I didn't really, you know, it's not my fault. I, I could get out of it. I'm a very slick talker. And I'm able to say that I, it wasn't really my fault. It was his fault. It was her fault. It was your fault. But to confess that something is actually my fault, it's a very, very difficult thing. But if we could do that, that's the mitzvah vidya. That's what tshuva is all about. Tshuva is saying, I admit that there's a problem here. When you're going for Alcoholic Anonymous, and you're in like a group therapy session, you have to, you know, you're trying to break the addiction. So the very first thing that you have to do is say, my name is Chaim Shmero, and I'm an alcoholic. If you don't say that, if you're not that you have a problem, that you have an addiction, then you could discuss all you want, all the group therapy in the world is not going to do anything, because it's always the Yenim, I'm just a spectator here. So they make you get up and say that I confess that I have an addiction and by doing so it should rattle the cage a little bit. It should wake you up and make you in this era to the fact that you have to change because there is a problem. But until we realize that, we're going to keep on making these excuses for ourselves and believe that we're fine. It's not my fault. It's other people's fault. It's God's fault. It's my brother's fault. It's my wife's fault. If I would have married a different wife, if I would have had a different family, if I would have a different relationship, I had a better Rebbe, if my fourth grade Rebbe hadn't been mean to me, I'd be perfect today. But because we have these excuses, we excuse ourselves from being a proper Ebed Hashem and from coming back to the Rebbe and confessing that we've done things that are wrong. And once we have confessed, and really confessed, and stand before the Rabbi Nishlam, and that's what Slichas is all about, in preparation of Rosh Hashanah, and Aserasi Mechuvah in preparation for Yom Kippur, to basically admit that I did something wrong, and break this myth that you're perfect, and that there's really nothing that I have to do to do Tshuva, that Tshuva is for everybody else except for me, until that happens, we cannot really ever scratch the surface of tshuva. Tshuva is not too hard, but it's not too easy. It depends on your attitude. And if your attitude is that you really want to do it, you can do it. 
if your attitude is, I don't need to do it, then you'll never do it. And even if you go through all the lip service, but it's never going to really be a proper form of tshuva. We find that Yaina Anavi, Yaina Anavi, we know the story, he was on a boat, and there were a lot of people on the boat, and these people on the boat were hardly Hasidim, they were hardly a Kalelian. These were people, Chazal tell us that you had Shivim, you had 70 representatives of the Shivim Umayyad, each of them with their own gestures. Each of them with their own form of a desire, very from people on the boat. But every, you had 70 types of people, each representing a different form of a desire, And then there was Yaina, who was a Navi, who was a Tzaddik. And they were all on the boat, and the boat starts tossing and turning, and the boat's about to break. The was Namish about to completely dissolve the boat. And there was a big crisis going on. Everybody was davening to their own getchkis. And Yaina Navi was down in the bowels of the ship, and he was sleeping. <coughs> and then the Rava Chayvel, the captain of the ship, comes, wakes up Yaina and says, Malacham, near them. How could you sleep? Go and daven to your God. And then they start asking Yaina, who are you? What are you? What are you doing? What's your, who's your, who's your God? What are you up to? And eventually Yaina says who he is, and then he says amazing words. He says, you should know that it's because of me that this storm happened. The Russian of the Pasuk is, Ki b'sheli hasara You want to know why this storm is brewing? You want to know why we're all about to drown here in the sea? Because of me. Because it's my fault, because I did something very bad. Zaktabristerov, couldn't Yaina have easily excused himself? Yaina is a tzaddik. Yaina is the only one on the boat that's worshipping the Rabbani Shalom. You have 70 people on the boat who are mamish very, very idolatrous people, people that are kaitrim people that have done all types of things, the easiest thing for Yaina to do is to make an excuse and say, it ain't my fault. It's because of you guys. You guys are Hebrew de Zaro. HaKadosh Baruch is probably infuriated with your behavior. But instead, Yaina Navi takes full responsibility. And not just because he was a Navi. At this point, he wasn't even able to have Nebuah. That's why he went on the ship in the first place, to get away from Eretz Yisrael, so that he wouldn't have to have this this burden of Nebuah. But Yaina Navi did something remarkable in that he took full responsibility for what was going on rather than excusing himself in a very, very rational way and saying, it's not my problem, it's you guys' fault. And the Briskarov says, this is what you have to do in life. You cannot consider it to be everybody else's problem except for yours. But part of what it means to be a Yid and part of what it means to be a Yarishamayim is to see things and understand that it may be because of me and it is because of me. And if a person can do that, that is the very first step to Tshuva. Then, and only then, can a person really take in and be inspired by the Shmuzin that you'll hear. 
Because if you don't, you'll just think of it like, like you know, you're, it's for everybody else in the room. Like the famous Misa that there was a guy, a, um, a Magid came to town. And in the olden days, the Magidim were really powerful. This is the way they made their Parnassah was they went from city to city. They were like itinerant <laughs> preachers. And they went from town to town and they would give fiery Musar. And people would be amazed and awestruck by their words, and a lot of them would do tshuva, and then they would give money in the pushka, in the plate for the magid, and then he would go to the next town, and that's how he'd make his parnasa. And one town he came to, this magid, and he was an exceptional preacher, and he preached to every single person, and he would say that every single person in this town is going to die, there's going to be a yamadin for every single person living in this shtat. You have to do tshuva now, you're going to die. There's going to be a din v'cheshman someday. And every single person in the room started crying and bawling. And they were completely beside themselves with grief and remorse. And, and then there was one guy in the whole room out of 100, 200 people. And he was smiling. The whole time he was smiling. And this guy, the magic, became like really focused on this guy. So I have to get that one guy. So he really started ratcheting up the Musar and he says, don't you understand that every single person in this town is going to die? And the people, everyone else was mamish like going crazy, except this one guy, the smile on his face was getting bigger and bigger. And he didn't know, maybe he was like listening to an iPod or something, he couldn't understand, he was like, no, there's no, no earphones there. And... He kept doing it more and more, and after the shmooze was over, he just, you know, he surrendered. He said, I couldn't get that guy. And everybody's coming over to him, giving him a big yashikayaf and putting a lot of money in the plate. And he says, he like, he makes a, like, he parts the crowd and he goes straight for that guy. And he says, you, he says, why did you not cry? How is it that every single person in the room I had completely spellbound by my words, and you, you were not able to even shed one single tear. You were smiling. So he says, very simple. He says, you kept on saying, every single person in this town is going to die. Every single person in this shtud is going to die. He says, I'm a guest here. So I'm not from this town. I'm from another town. It didn't speak to me. So I didn't. I wasn't moved. And that's exactly what we all do with our lives. We believe that we're the one guy that doesn't need the Musr. We're the one guy that the Shmuz is not really Nagaya. For whatever reason, we have excuses. And maybe they're good excuses, but they're not good enough because HaKadosh Baruch created us with a mission and we're expected to fulfill that mission without excuses. And if we think that the excuses are going to excuse our behavior, we might be rudely awoken someday to the reality that it's not true and that we are in fact from this town and that we don't have this ability to think of ourselves as being different because really we're regular we're people that you have to avoid excuses and that you have to take the Musa to heart there's a Mary Gemara and Abbe Dezar, we just did it in the daf this week. The Gemara speaks about 
a certain person by the name of Elazar ben Durdayo. And the Gemara says about him, not such a nice thing, it's not a big compliment. Talk about addiction. He was a person that was so addicted to immoral behavior that there was not a single zaina in the world that he did not, he was not with. That's what the Gemara says about Elazar ben he heard that there was actually one Zaina that he missed out in the islands of the sea. And And she was not a she was an expensive Zaina and he had to take with him a lot of money, a kistinrim, a whole a whole bag full of silver or gold coins. So he took those gold coins and he went over seven Naharis. He traveled a long distance to find this Zainab. The Shah's Hergal and by the time of the actual Maisa itself, he Ficha, she was Mefiach. Amra, and then she said a very crude Bart. Kishem She Ficha Zu. just like that, and the Ficha is not going back. To where it came from, Kach Elazar ben Durdaya ain't metabolin. I say b'tshuva. You will never be able to do tshuva, Elazar ben Durdaya. Sometimes you hear musar from the strangest places. Sometimes you have to hear musar even from from the zaina. Remember hearing once a vart, somebody became a b'tshuva. And he said, they asked him, why did you become a Baal Tshuva? He says, a very strange story. He says, it was Yom Kippur night. It was Yom Kippur night. And I was driving to a Broadway show in Manhattan. And there was a lot of traffic. Wasn't from. And he was pulled over for some reason by a cop. And the cop asked him for a license and registration. And he shows him his name is Cohn, Some Jewish name. And this Italian cop looks at him and says... You're Jewish? He says, yeah, of course I'm Jewish. My name is Cohn. He says, don't you know that tonight is the holiest night of the year? It's Yom Kippur night. What are you doing? Where are you driving? And he says, when I heard from an Italian cop that it's Yom Kippur night and that I belong in the synagogue, he says, that was where I, that was the, that, that, that's all it took for me to become from. Sometimes you have to hear Musa from the most, from, sometimes the Mashiach is not the best Messenger for Musar. Sometimes you have to hear Musar from the from from off the beaten track because it makes a bigger punch. This Elizabeth Durdaya heard the Musar Shmuz of his life from Azaina, the Krachayayam. She said to him, You're never going to be able to do Shiva. You are so far removed from what the Rabbi Shalom wants from you that it will be impossible for you to ever do Shiva. It's not Shayach anymore. Halach the Yasha ben Shnei Harim Ugevais. So Allah ben Durdaya took this message. He went and he sat between the Harim and the Gevais. He sat between the mountains. And he says, Harim and Gevais, Bikshua Lairachaman, plead for me on my behalf to the Rabbi Shalom that I should be able to do tshuva. Amrulai, 
Naharm the Gvai says we can't. Before we start spending our precious capital on you, we should worry about ourselves. We also have to do tshuva. Then he went, and he went to Shemaim Baretz. He says, heaven and earth, you, you could be Mavakish Rachim on me. And they said the same thing. Sorry, we got to worry about ourselves. And then he went and he said, Chamo Levano, sun, moon, you ask for me, Rachamim. No, we can't. We have to be busy with our own tshuva. And then he says the immortal words, Amrulai, Amar, Elazar ben Dudaya says, Ein hadavar taloi elabi. I see that the matter only rests on me. It all depends on me. He put his head in between his legs. He got into a posture of tshuva, a posture of remorse. And he started crying until his soul left. is prepared now to go straight into Eilam Abba. This is a person who is on Mamish on the Memteshari Tumah. And he was able to do tshuva. And the Gemara says that when Rebbe heard this story, he too started crying. Because he says, Many people, it takes a whole lifetime to be kainai haba, and Rebbe Loza ben Durdaya was kainet in one moment. The Amar, Rebbe, and Rebbe further said, Not only do we accept Balei Tshuva, the Basko came down and didn't say Loza ben Durdaya. It said, Rebbe Eliezer ben Durdaya. He got smicha all of a sudden. In one split second, he was able to be called Rebbe by the Kiseach Kaveh, by the Baskel. Zakhtar Chaim Elogina, what's going on in this Gemara? What does that mean that he went to the Haram of Vice and asked them to help him out to do tshuva? And he went to the Yamuna Haris and he went to the Chamo Levana. What does that mean? What was his Havamina? He thought that they were going to do all the heavy lifting for him. Zatib Chaim Malajna, the Pshadanis Gemara is beautiful. When it says that he went to the Harim of Vais, Harim is like the Malajna of Harim. He went to his parents and he says, It ain't my problem, it's your fault. Psychologists have developed all these types of studies. And sciences and theories, how everything is traced back to a parent. We could blame our parents and our grandparents for everything. We don't have to take personal responsibility because it's my parents' fault. They treated me lousy. They didn't give me enough of an allowance. They didn't give me a car when I wanted one. They weren't, uh, they didn't always have enough time for me. And maybe some of them are kata valid, them to a certain degree. But there comes a point 
that you have to say that it's not my parents' fault. You have to cut the umbilical cord and say, enough is enough, I've blamed them enough. And the Haram advice say that we have our own problems. We have our own pekelach, we have our own nisyanis, we tried as best as we could to raise you, maybe we weren't perfect, but we have our own thing to do tshuva for. And you have to worry about yourself. You can't constantly always blame us for everything. There comes a point that we have to say to you, you're a man, and you're on your own now, and you can't look at us constantly and blame us. He says, okay, Shemayim Baretz, what about you? We look up to the Rebbeinu and we say, you're the fault. It's because of you. Had you allowed me to be more popular, to be better looking, to be wealthier, to be smarter, then everything would have been different. But why did you make me the way you made me? And that's why I'm not good. And Shemaim Eretz says, stop blaming me for everything. You're a human being. I made you with enough kishrenes, with enough brachas. You're gebench. You have what it takes to be great. And stop always blaming me for everything. Thank me for some things. But don't blame me. And then Rabbi Lazar ben goes to the Chamo, Levana, all of the natural bodies, and says, Nature, it's your fault. Because I'm naturally prone to doing certain things. Sociologists, they have terms for everything. Every single person, there's no such thing as being, you know, that, uh, being an Avarian anymore. Every single Avera has some sort of name for it, a fancy name which allows for it. I have a phobia, and I have a certain predisposition towards something, and I was I have a certain gene, a certain chromosome, that makes me more knighted at doing a certain behavior. And everything that we have, we have excuses, we have labels, we have a way to excuse ourselves through nature, through psychology, and nature looks and says, give me a break. You have to take responsibility for yourself. You have to be strong. You have to look in a mirror once in a while and say, it's because of me. And Rabbi Lazar ben Dudaya took this musr. He took it first from the Zayna, and then he took it from Shemayim Baretz and the Haram Agvais, from Yamu Noharis, from Shemesh Viareach, Chamo Levana. He took it in, and he started crying, and he says, I get it now. It's my fault. Those are the magical words that a person must say in order to do tshuva. Only when he was able to confess to the misvadim to say, I have to roll up my sleeves. I have to do tshuva. I have to change. And I have to stop making all of these excuses and blaming the world for my problems. Then and only then was the Velazim and Derdayim Mezum Then and only then was the Velazim and Derdayim able to break and unleash all of the kaythas that were dormant in his neshama. And they flooded him. They flooded his eyes and his heart until he drowned in those tears. But those tears were the tears that were able to allow him to swim straight into Elam But it took this one 
realization. This one eureka moment, this one light bulb going off on his head, which we all have to try to find. And that is to say, It's my fault. I admit I'm an alcoholic. I'm an avarian. I've done these avarists. And I have to change. Once a person can do that, then, then Rosh Hashanah is meaningful. Then Yenakipurim is meaningful. There's a Misa with a Vayu Levine. Vayu Levine was the tzaddik of Yerushalayim. Famous book about him, a tzaddik in our times. He happened to have been the father-in-law of Rabbi Yashiv. And a woman in town used to give a Musr Shmuz, Rabbi Levine, by Shalashudah's time, by Shabbos Mincha, he'd give a Shmuz in the local shul. And Rabbi Levine was approached by a certain woman in town, and she said, do me a favor. My husband is very abusive to me. My husband constantly, verbally abuses me, physically abuses me, and I can't deal with him anymore. And I'm at my last, it's Mamash, I'm at the end, I'm about to leave. Maybe you can, you can't tell him that I told you because he'll kill me. But maybe next time you give him a Musa Shmuz, maybe like just weave into the Pirkeyavis or whatever you give Musa on, weave into it that it's bad to hit your wife, that it's bad to torment your wife, it's bad to treat your wife Inappropriately, If you could do that, maybe, maybe it'll do something for my husband. So he says, okay, I'll try. So next Shabbos, this guy, her husband, came to the shear, as he always did. And he started getting up and giving a Musa Shmuz, and he started on another topic. And then he sort of segued into the topic of how a person should mechabit his wife and not abuse her, and be really sweet to her, and not be mean, and not be violent. And in the room also was sitting Rabbi Sizaman Meltzer. The God Adar happened to have been sitting in the shul and he was also listening to the Musr. And during this Musr Shmuz, the guy who was supposed to hear the Musr, he was just like falling asleep or he was uh, doing something else. Maybe he was talking to the guy next to him. And Rabbi Sizaman Meltzer was sitting there bawling and he comes over after the shmuz is over and he says to Rabbi Levin, he says, Rabbi, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me that musr. So Rabbi said, what's it meant for you? He says, he told him the whole mice, there's a guy in shul, I want it. He said, what are you talking about? That shmuz that you gave was direct, I know. It was addressed to me. You were talking straight to me. He says, what are you talking about? He says, well, you know, sometimes, he says, I'm putting out my svarim, by Evan Ozzel, and my wife is like, she's the typesetter. She's the one that's the typist. And so a lot of times she makes mistakes here and there. She's not able to keep up with me as I'm dictating to her. And sometimes I get a little bit upset with her. And I might even say sometimes something which is, you know, a little bit not appropriate for me to say to her in my, in my, in my impatience. And by the way, just parenthetically, this is Alman, 
you know, I would, on, on Rabbi Sizaman's worst day, Halabai, that should be our, you know, that would be our best day. For Rabbi Sizaman, Al Madre this is what supposedly he said to Rabbi Levin, sometimes I get a little bit short tempered with my Rebbitzin. He said, so whatever you said was so true, and I know that I have to change, and I know that I have to work on this. And Rabbi Levin used to say over this Misa, because this is something that is the difference between somebody that's an Eved Hashem Lasher Le'avadri. This is something that should appeal to all of us. That when we hear a shmuz, instead of saying that it's somebody else, oh, it's probably some Abayi, he's not talking to me, I'm the God of Adar, it's not Negei me. Instead of having those types of thoughts, a person should say, and Adavar Tali Alabi, he's talking directly to me. The Musr is completely targeting me. And that it is Negei to me. And that's not, even if, it, if it's not perfectly custom-tailored, every single message, but you could definitely take something out from it. We could always change, we could always hear it a little bit, and maybe apply it to our lives. But before we do that, we have to open up our hearts. And we have to be misvadeh, and to confess that there is a problem. We'll end with the words of Rabbi Yaina and Shari Tshuva and Shar Bez. If a person does not awaken and stir his own heart, then all the Musa in the world won't help. Musa is great, but Musa needs a clay kibble for the Musa. It's always geschmack to listen to a good speech, a good sermon, a good shmuz. It's interesting, sometimes it's entertaining. But if you don't, if you're not ma'er your heart, if you don't open up your heart and accept that the words are negayah to me, then Rabbi Yaina himself says that ma'yayiluha <coughs> Muslim, all the Muslim won't help. It's it's completely bittul tayrah. Ki'afal pi shenechnasim b'liba b'yam shamay. Even if the day that we actually hear it, it goes in a little bit. Yishkachem hayetzer v'yavirem. Everything is going to eventually dissipate. If a person doesn't open his heart and confess and admit that there are things that I'm wrong with, that I'm not perfect, a lot of us, by the way, have tremendous mailas. A lot of us are tremendous masmidim, do tremendous chesed, have tremendous and we have a lot to be proud of. This is not to say we should completely rip ourselves to shreds and make ourselves into a complete nothing. The milos that we have, we should be immeasurably proud of. We should feel good about what we're doing right. And as I look around the room, I see amazing B'nai Kaira that have tremendous things to their credit and to their name. But we all have imperfections. We all have things that regardless of how great we are in learning or in midas, we all have things to change. If we wouldn't, we would not be humans. If Rabbi Zalman Meltzer felt that there were little things that he needed to change, then what should we say? If the Arzei Levanin, if the great cedar trees of Lebanon have what to admit, so don't we have something to admit? Isn't it possible that we're not perfect? <laughs> and once we are able to accept that, and we stop making all the excuses for ourselves, and we're able to say the words of Elizabeth Derdaya said, so many years ago, but that still resonate today 
throughout the entire universe that ain't Gavartali Alabi to say that the buck stops here, that I am not going to pass the buck, I will not push the blame on others, but rather I will say that I have to take responsibility. If a person can do that, then that is the very first step to tshuva. And then the Torah promises in these parashas that kiloi davar, it's not something hard, it's something kikarve lecha davar ma'ayid, it's not something it's something that's mamish very, very close. But it's only close if we admit that there's something wrong with us. And that might be very difficult. It might be ingrained in us to naturally make excuses. But the point of maturity and the point of tshuva is the moment that we realize that we're not perfect. The moment that we realize that we have done bad and that we have to change, we have to better ourselves, we have to use this Rosh Hashanah that HaKadosh Baruch gives us as a gift, as an opportunity of His Chadshus. We said over in Abad this week, the Vard of Aaron Cutler, how this is a time as the world is going into Rosh Hashanah, the world is renewed, that gives us the promise of personal renewal. We can redeem ourselves with the world. We're able to change. HaKadosh Baruch is waiting for us eagerly to, to change. But the first step is that we have to take the initiative and say that there is what that needs change. And when we do that, then in Mitzvah Hashem, the Rabbi will give us a Ksiva a wonderful a year of a year that we could look back next year, Elul and Rosh Hashanah, and say, wow, that was an amazing year because we were able to fess up to our weaknesses, sit down and make a list of things that we need to change. And slowly with baby steps, we will be able to correct or at least head in the right direction and make ourselves people that are worthy of the title of being the Amr